Welcome to Principles of Wealth, a podcast built at the intersection of finances and real life values. I'm your host, Holly Mazaka. On this podcast, we'll walk through real life stories of finances and wealth while addressing some of the most commonly asked questions we receive from our clients. At Bartlett Wealth Management, we know that the path to pursuing your financial goals is not a straight one. It comes with twists and turns, pit stops, unexpected roadblocks, and even a few pleasant surprises along the way. We're here to help you navigate this journey by providing stories and insights that you can apply to your own unique path. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Principles of Wealth. I'm Holly Mazaka, and I am so excited to be here with you today, joined by three of my Bartlett colleagues, Mike Cambron, Laura Humphrey, and Catherine Miller. Mike, Laura, and Catherine come with a wealth of experience across generations where they've really been able to help guide clients through different time periods of their life and working with them as they navigate these conversations with their children, with their spouses, with other trusted advisors. So we're in for a real treat today. What I have enjoyed so much as I think about this topic of multi-generational wealth and serving our clients is the way that you can see success happen over time. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just one person in the family. It's really experiencing the wins alongside of our clients over time. So you start working out with grandma and grandpa, and then you're able to work with mom and dad, down to the kids, even grandkids, even multiple generations of grandkids. But I know I have a lot of clients who have told me, you know, I'm the first one building wealth in my family. What can I do to learn the lessons of success from some of your families who have been through this over time? The things that worked really well and perhaps the things that haven't worked well. So even if you are the one building wealth for your family, I think you're in for a real treat today to learn from some of those tips and tricks of what the most successful families have experienced over time. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's my privilege. So you've been at Bartlett for a long time. <laughs> Tell us how you found your way to Bartlett and uh, how long you've been with us. Well, it's uh, I've been I'm in my 54th year. Uh, I joined Bartlett right out of the U.S. Navy. Uh, I'd always had a predisposition for the investment business and was fortunate enough to get an interview. And was also uh, more fortunate to have just wonderful mentors and the likes of Bill Friedlander and Bruce Davies and people who really, really encouraged me and good, good friends like Rick Reynolds. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful journey. Over this span, how have you seen the industry change over time? Oh, my goodness. I, I think uh, early on we were really preoccupied with... Uh, stock picking and bond picking. And it's become far more sophisticated at this juncture and to the benefit of the client. A real preoccupation with understanding goals and objectives and financial planning and really taking a generational look 
as we uh, deal with circumstances and affairs. It's, it's a much, much better product that's being uh, shared with clients, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a great benefit. So a lot has changed, but I imagine some of those core things that families care about has also stayed the same. So what stayed the same during your tenure? Well, um, Holly, that's a that's a really interesting question. It's uh, as I've aged, I've learned to be more sensitive to the priorities of our clients, and uh, you can uh, you see the cycle of uh, uh, beginning to accumulate wealth and uh, build a foundation for your a financial foundation for your client, and then at the same time begin to think in terms of the priorities of your children. Uh, but as we grow older, we begin to focus on safety and security and adequate cash flow and some of these high priority issues as clients get into their 70s and 80s and even into their 90s. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it certainly needs and perspective change. So the, the issues may change from time to time, but often those family dynamics, it's just one cycle after the next, right? That's correct. That's correct. And, uh, and sometimes they work perfectly and sometimes they get a little messy. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we become far more uh, um, intimate with our clients than simply uh, securities or investing. Uh, it becomes a, uh, a life cycle of decisions and choices and priorities and who can you really depend upon as we get older uh, to, to guide and protect and care for us. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a challenging process. So it is a challenging process, as you said, and there's no one way to do it. I, I often think that this business is sometimes as much of an art as it is a science. Mm. But what are some of those words of wisdom or the, the takeaways of success that you've seen from families who have been successful with transitioning wealth and making sure that it lives on beyond their generation. Mm. I think some of the keys have been to uh, really think in terms of a plan uh, and and to have some discipline around that plan. From Bartlett's perspective, my key role is to continue to build continuity in the relationship by bringing younger and younger advisors into the relationship so generational gaps don't exist. Uh, that there's a comfort level with the new uh, core leadership inside the firm. Uh, and also to guide clients uh, very constructively how to deal with communicating key issues to new family, younger family members. Uh, uh, that to me has been a real challenge. Uh, we have um, any number of clients who are older than I am who really struggle with how much to communicate to their next generation or even to their perhaps their grandchildren. And Holly and you and I have had experiences where that's become very, very messy, where too much information is shared, financial information is shared downstream, and we have circumstances where grandchildren begin to ask for early distribution. They become aggressive of soliciting what they think is their future inheritance. Issues like that can become a real, real challenge. Uh, who can senior citizens rely upon to be core leaders in the process of aging? Is it their lawyer? Is it their investment advisor? Is it their accountant? Is it a brother or sister or a child within the family members? Um, emergencies, contingencies, all of this needs to be sort of pre-programmed to make it work out well. 
So share a little bit more about how that communication is important over time and and where do clients even start in that process? I think the advisor needs to take a real leadership role and prompt the client to consider a family meeting uh, or at least a key person meeting to begin to chart a course as to what happens if certain events unfold. Uh, We have a circumstance currently where I've suggested family meetings or key people meetings, and that's always been postponed. Uh, So now we find ourselves in a circumstance where a a major check has been misplaced, and trying to work through this process after the fact is a real challenge. So once you start having that conversation, let's say we have that first family meeting, what does it look like? Does it does it all have to be spelled out in that first meeting? Or is this a process that really unfolds over time? I think you need a lot of coaching from our from the advisor's perspective as to some of the challenges in family meetings. I would not lay out all the details. I would talk to key family members, typically the next gen is what I would recommend, the children, not the grandchildren, just the children, and lay out for them Uh, who the key players are, where all the key documents are, are, who should they turn to for cash in the event of an emergency, Mm -hmm. Uh, all the pieces, where securities are custody, do they have a safety deposit box, insurance policies, all of these issues need to be laid out. These are largely detail issues, but they're really critical and important. I'm, I'm, I'm very careful how much financial information you share with any generation. Circumstances can change dramatically for an aging population, and you may find your, uh, your, your needs can get very, very substantial very rapidly at uh, uh, two or $300,000 a year in terms of nursing expenses. So I'm very careful about sharing the details of the financial resources available, uh, unless the client is very specific. So you can build that framework of what it means to be a steward of wealth in a family without necessarily opening the full kimono, so to speak. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Now, if a client is insistent, well, we understand that. But, but, but generally speaking, um, uh, my, my history is not good with uh, sharing lots and lots of numbers with uh, family beneficiaries and especially with not first gen, but second gen. Great. So, Let's talk a little bit about where philanthropy fits into Mm. this mix, where a client may have a real passion project that they want to see come to life. How have you seen it work where philanthropy can be a potential vehicle to pull family members in and maintain this idea of what the family mission or charter is going forward? Uh, once again, a good question, Holly. I, I, I've seen real mixed results. Uh, uh, several families have created foundations, and they have allocated a certain portion of the uh, of the annual payout to uh, certain members of the family, succeeding generations, so that they can allocate. 10, 15, 20, or $30,000 to charities of their choice. Uh, They're encouraged to do the investigative work. They're encouraged to come to the family and say, this is why I'd like to give some money to the United Way or whatever the specific entity is. Uh, It it really builds a sense of family. It builds a sense of community. 
but it also the kids need to take it seriously. And if they don't, then it starts to falter. So it's a, it's really a leadership issue inside the family, but it's a great way. Most of our families are very philanthropic and have long, long histories of doing this. It needs to be transferred generation to generation. So we wouldn't be having a conversation today if we didn't address the elephant in the room, which is inflation. <laughs> and as I know, we had a conversation recently where we talked about how this is the first time in many decades where inflation is ubiquitous. It's really rearing its ugly head, and it might stick around longer than any of us would like to see it stick around. From your perspective, what can investors do to maintain that long-term perspective while also protecting their portfolios today? Well, I'm preoccupied with the generation that employed me. So I'm dealing with largely uh, people who are sort of late in their life cycle and uh, expenses are rising typically more rapidly uh, than is their income stream. Uh, just the opposite of what we thought. We thought as we age, our expense level should start to go down. Well, nursing care and hospitalization care and all of these random expenses, just cost of living, are climbing now at, uh, as some instances, 7 or 8% a year. Uh, so it becomes a real challenge uh, to make sure the plan has integrity, uh, is tested over and over again, and that the primary clients are protected in terms of their income streams and their principal streams. So looking at bonds now at this point or staying focused on cash or stocks, where does an investor go? Well, Holly, there's a balance, I think, and that balance needs to be maintained as a proxy for near-term needs. Uh, we don't use long-term bonds, which uh, historically suffer terribly in a inf high inflationary environment. Uh, cash has historically not yielded very much, so we've kind of minimized that. We've largely kept it in uh, one-year notes. Uh, now, Treasury bills are providing attractive rates of return, so those are quite usable. Um, and uh, stocks have the benefit of uh, gr typically growing principal and growing income streams. So you need a piece of those to, to deal with long-term uh, benefits to the families. So it's still a balanced portfolio is the best proxy. Great. So the balanced approach never goes out of style. That's correct. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time today, Mike. It's been great having you on. Well, thank you. A privilege. So next up, we have Laura Humphrey with us here today. And Laura, it's such a pleasure having you on. Thank you. So if you would, share a little bit about your journey on how you found your way to Bartlett and your path to wealth management. My journey to Bartlett is actually much like financial planning. It took a lot of zigs and zags. Um, I wasn't always planning for my career, but ended up in a fabulous place at Bartlett. So I've been in financial services for quite a while. Um, had the great fortune of uh, meeting someone from Bartlett who invited me to uh, interview and join the team. And it's been wonderful ever since. I decided to focus on financial planning um, later in my career, but really because Bartlett was moving in that direction in a very deliberate manner, but we didn't have any CFPs on staff, certified financial planners. So seeing that opening uh, uh, 
a younger associate that had worked with me, we both said, okay, we'll, we'll carry that flag and we'll go get that designation. And it's just been a wonderful um, addition to this long career that I've had working with clients. So financial planning was really your brainchild alongside Lori Poole at Bartlett. How have you seen that really aid in the conversations, especially as it relates to this topic of generational wealth and the conversations we're having with clients? Interesting that you asked that just recently and because of this current market environment. Um, what I've noticed pretty distinctly is clients that we've worked to develop a financial plan. So they have a view to their future, the next 20 years, the next 30 years, uh, seeing how different markets might impact their success level, are much more balanced in their reaction to this kind of market disruption. You know, as one of our partners says, over the course of your investing career, markets will be disruptive and your portfolio will be impacted. And what we've found is clients that haven't we haven't worked with yet on financial planning, looking forward to that opportunity, um, don't have that comfort level. So just that, that um, and then that acceptance by all of our advisors that this is, the, um, this is the benefit that we're seeing. It's making us a much stronger, not only financial partner, but actually family partner for that client. How have you seen financial planning really help across generations with some of those conversations that need to be had, even though they might be difficult conversations? So financial planning is very helpful when you have a parent that, of course, you always want to help your children. They're often adult children by this point, um, but you want to be able to reach out and help them if they're having periods of difficulty or if there's just something you want to do for them. And having that financial plan in place allows us to run those scenarios of if I give X to this child, this adult child, what does that do to my future? Our first and foremost concern, of course, is, is the client's preservation of their wealth so that they are fine throughout the rest of their lives. And then adding on some, some objectives for helping children. What we've also found is as the parents are thinking about helping out their children, it comes up in the conversation that perhaps their children could actually benefit from some planning, some focused budgeting conversations. And that's where the, um, the range of, of advisors that we have at Bartlett from, from age groups has been very effective because it's not always helpful to have me, who have been working with their parents, then sit down with that 35-year-old adult child and start to talk to them about planning. Kind of has a different vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to bring in um, a little bit younger associate who they can maybe more identify with on a peer basis uh, has been very, very productive. And then they go off and work on their planning and budgeting and how do I save for education and how do I save for retirement, which then eases, I think, the parents' um, urgency to be able to have to help them all the time. That's great. So by having the parents have a plan, they know what they can do if they want to be able to help that next generation, mm -hmm. and also where it may start to put their plan in jeopardy. But then also thinking about, okay, let's let's have a conversation with the children in this instance to make sure they're on the right path, sort of that 
teach a man to fish mentality, so to speak. Right, exactly, all of those. So beyond this idea of long-term generational wealth transfers, there's often other life transitions that open this door for honest conversations with family. And oftentimes some of these are unexpected. It may be the premature death of a spouse, or it could be a divorce or the loss of a job. How do you work with clients before these events and during these events to open those communication doors? My experience has been with one of the spouses, for instance, in divorce, coming to us as they've discovered they're going to be divorced. Um, it's, it, you know, talk about disruptive. It's, it's shocking, even if, even if that spouse was the one that was initiating. Um, but what happens is their financial situation, as they have come to know it over maybe, um, you know, 20 years of marriage, maybe longer, is now changing pretty dramatically. So walking them through what that means, working with them on, okay, this, this will be the assets that you will be able to retain. What do your expenses look like? What are you going to do with the house? How are, they, how are the children responding? Are there things that you want to be able to do for your children going forward, even though you are no longer, um, I guess as Gwyneth Paltrow put it, even though you've now become decoupled? Um, <laughs> what else would you like to do? And how do we fold that into a future, a successful future for you in your new life, basically? And those can be hard conversations, not necessarily because... Um, they're confrontational, but because this particular person has not really probably ever had to think about this. Mm -hmm. And so it's really um, a kind of coaching counseling of, well, what do I need to think about when I think about my expenses? And so, you, you know, you walk them through those conversations. What are the opportunities? What are the concerns you might have from expenses that you might be considering? So it's quite a expansive conversation. I find that Clients in this situation are very appreciative of just this counseling part of the work. Certainly the plan is very helpful, um, but just the counseling conversations and, um, you know, the ability to connect on that basis because mm -hmm. they're, lots of times they're feeling very alone. And this is a way for us to say, hey, we're in your corner. We're going to look out for you. The other piece of this is a very strong partnership with the attorney they're working with, whether it be collaborative or unfortunately sometimes conflictive divorce situations. Having a really strong um, relationship with that attorney then, because there's so much information that has to go back and forth as you're working through this process. So it sounds like there's this really dynamic combination of the qualitative and the quantitative. It's not just the numbers. But it's the why behind the numbers. It's the why behind. So a good example, actually, of of how of how this can can kind of blossom. You have a a, a spouse who maybe was never really associated with the financial situation of their family. The other spouse handled everything, which is very common in truly probably most marriages. So now this person is faced with, okay, first of all, in a very good situation, they will end up with actually having significant assets. So that's that's the great part of the story is they're not going to be 
feasting on ramen noodles for the rest of their lives, but they have assets now at their disposal that they never, ever really thought about. And so this person is going through a lot of investigation on her own, but also conversation with us about, I want to make sure these assets are doing good in the world. She's never had that opportunity before. And so it's been really a wonderful opportunity for us, actually very gratifying, to talk with her through the different things that she's researching. Um, and then and then bringing it back to how do you actually do this? What are the best vehicles to use to make your money work? And how do we make sure that that money is going to continue to work not only for you, but also for these organizations that you want to support? Great. So pulling in the the idea of that values based and and where you want to go and what is the real purpose behind your wealth in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. What can clients do before something happens? You know, and we we never want to see one of these situations where it is a divorce or the death of a spouse. But what can they do to make sure that? both people in the relationship are informed and ready if something like this does come up. Mm-hmm. I, Holly, I think in the case of divorce, that's that's a little difficult to prepare for um, because nobody obviously ever wants it to happen and you don't think it's going to happen. Um, what, what I encourage my clients who are still couples is that if we're meeting to review things, that they both come in. And we make a pointed effort to include both clients in those conversations. Um, You know, eye contact, clearly um, directing questions to make sure that each one is participating and feels included, uh, offering any kind of education that either one of them might need to kind of get up to speed on what their personal financial situation is. So I think from that perspective, that should really go without saying, no matter who your client is and what their future plans are. I think when we talk about the possible premature death of a spouse or death of a spouse in general, it's much as you would do when you're working with um, clients who are thinking about what they want to tell their children. Mm-hmm. Where is everything? Who? What are the names of the people that our assets are currently with? How do I contact? Where are the passwords? Um, you know, where do you have all your files? Who do I call in the event of this in the event of this in the event of this? How do I access the bank account? Am I on the bank account? Um, all of those kind of blocking and tackling up front um, is really the best way for a couple to manage together. Not that they, um, you know, need to be deciding which stock is going in the portfolio, right? That's not the point. It's kind of let's let's dot our I's and cross our T's so that we both understand in the event that you're coming home from work and and are involved in an accident, how do I make sure that not only I can take care of you, but that I know how to access all of the assets that we might need while you're recovering? Great. Any last words of wisdom for our audience as they think about having some of these conversations that are are difficult but can be really valuable over the long term? I suggest to clients um, that they're having these conversations. I think what 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 we find as as their advisors, because oftentimes we are, are what I would call a trusted advisor, not just an advisor, is explaining to them the importance of sharing this information. 
Um, I think having a third party in the room as you're talking through these things can be helpful because it, if there is any tension about sharing, it can, it can actually diffuse some of that tension to have a third party in the room saying, okay, here's this, here's that, here's how this works. So offering our, our help um, in both dealing with each other as a couple and also in, in, in the event that they've decided, you know what, we really, we really need to let our adult children understand how we're set up in the event that they need to step in on our behalf. Mm -hmm. So I think having that third party who knows the family, knows the situation, but can then act in a, perhaps a little more objective manner, uh, I would encourage all families to take advantage of that. Wonderful. Great advice. Thank you so much for your time today, Laura. Thank you for having me. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's a real pleasure to be together. Tell me a little bit about how you found your way into the wealth management business. Sure. So I graduated from John Carroll University up in Cleveland, and I was experiencing the phenomenon that a lot of new college graduates were. Uh, 2010 was an interesting time in the financial markets. Um, so I made my way back to Cincinnati and was looking for a job that I could really build a career in. I had um, some friends in the business and in the area actually refer me to Laura Humphrey, who was looking for a marketing associate. We interviewed, we hit it off really well, and from there, my career really launched. I took an interest in specifically financial planning, so helping clients navigate through life transitions. Um, certainly younger clients starting to build and accumulate wealth. Um, and my path took off. I had a lot of mentors in the company and outside who really helped me build a career plan to transition from a more marketing business development role into financial planning. Great. I love that in wealth management, it doesn't have to be a straight line. There's a lot of experiences that come through from different parts of the journey that make you a great advisor, just like, you know, Mike shared with his time in the Navy. So uh, really interesting. As you think about your role on the team and working with oftentimes next generation clients, those mm -hmm. clients who are just learning the role about what it really means to be a steward of wealth, whether it's family generational wealth or perhaps they're a business owner or an entrepreneur or a professional who's building their own wealth. So when you think about working with clients uh, at those earlier stages, what's on their minds right now? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I'm experiencing some of those issues, challenges, wins with that client segment because I'm in that space as well. So I feel like I can really sit next to and understand that segment of our client base. Um, certainly retirement planning is a focus, but it's not a focus like most of our demographic who are really figuring out how to draw on assets in a tax efficient way how to pass down wealth to next generation. So you have to sort of take that aside um, and really focus on some of the shorter term goals, right? So life at that age is full of transitions. It's ever changing. 
whether it's, you know, new jobs or promotions, buying a first-time home, starting a family. So it's really understanding cash flow, helping clients maximize what's coming in and how are they saving. Great. So there's a lot of either ors at that stage of the game. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. How do you utilize financial planning as that decision-making tool? That's a great question. Um, You have competing priorities, right? And a lot of tugs on your paycheck. So it's very conversational and it's really about goal setting at the forefront. And those goals change as life changes. So I think it's continuing to have conversations with the clients and helping them really prioritize two to three goals that are actionable within a six-month period. And then revisiting based on life circumstances. So the financial planning helps us do that because it's very dynamic, conversational, and it also allows us to look through the lens of cash flow planning and helping to project asset levels out over time so that clients see, okay, if I nudge up my savings and my 401k, this is the impact it can have over the next 20 or 30 years. So I think it's just really taking a step back and helping our clients prioritize goals kind of in that short and medium-term bucket, but continuing to keep the eye on the prize of long-term investing, retirement, you know, kind of big picture. Yeah. So the the constant dynamic of how can we use the puzzle pieces today to reach these short-term goals while still looking out for the long-term and, and finding that appropriate balance between the two. Yeah, absolutely. We want to get out of this conversation today without talking about the word inflation. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's one of the top concerns on many of our clients' minds, especially young people, as you said, where there's a lot of tugs on the priorities for where those paychecks go. Inflation is one thing that's probably changed over the last 10 years that clients are worried about. What other items have you seen clients worry about over time, or how are those uh, worries shifting? So something I've noticed in the past several years has been a priority to help children fund their higher education costs. Um, So a lot of young clients come in, and that is a big goal. They've struggled with those expenses over the years, taking out student loans. Um, And so the conversation is really focused around, okay, how do we do this, and what is the right contribution level, um, and what sorts of vehicles do we think about uh, to maximize that savings going forward? Things like 529 plans, or perhaps it makes sense to use a custodial account. So we try to marry that longer-term goal and also prioritize the client's shorter-term goals, house purchases, retirement savings. So again, it's really that dynamic between how do we prioritize all of these things and what's most important and weighing those options. Great. So what Mike and Laura really talked about this idea of helping clients across generations. From your perspective, oftentimes working with the the next generation, how do you see that team coming together? And what does that dynamic look like? Yeah, I think the beauty of Bartlett is we have advisors at differing age and experience levels. So I've seen this come to life in a number of ways. 
So a more senior advisor who works with matriarch, patriarch, knows that um, their children are starting out in their careers, they're in accumulation mode, and need some more professional guidance. Um, And so a senior advisor might bring someone like myself into that dynamic, introduce me, talk about, you know, how I can help best serve that younger client base. And we've had a lot of success kind of from there. You know, the conversations tend to be really organic. And I think it goes back to priorities for younger investors are just a little bit different than what mom and dad Mm -hmm. are going through. Um, Estate planning and, and transfer of wealth is not really top of mind. It's how to best maximize cash flow and how to consistently invest with a long-term focus um, without having to sacrifice current lifestyle. That's a big thing I hear, you know, I still want to live and travel and do the things at present, but make sure I have an eye for those longer-term goals. So we've had a lot of success with that sort of um, transition and making sure that we can pair the right age and personality type with a younger clientele. And I found over time that it sometimes is a little easier when it's coming from a peer who's also experiencing those things versus coming from mom and dad. Because as much as I hate to admit it, my parents have had really good ideas over time that weren't good ideas until somebody else told me they were good ideas. (laughs) So just getting that third party in there can be extremely valuable. Yeah. And just positioning yourself as a coach more than, you know, someone who is making recommendations that might not seem realistic or appropriate. Really putting yourself on the same side of the table as that, that client, understanding their specific needs and helping nudge them forward um, in a professional way. Any last words of wisdom for our clientele who are maybe in this stage where they are building wealth, dealing with competing priorities? Um, My message would be to start investing early and consistently and that you can take a long-term view without having to sacrifice current lifestyle or short-term goals. Great. Yeah, especially in today's markets when things are pretty rocky. I know that that's the time where it feels hard to invest. You you get that feeling in your stomach like, oh, man, am I doing the right thing? But this is exactly the time that for young investors who are uh, have income coming into the household and an opportunity to save in a tax-advantaged vehicle, now's exactly the time to stick with that long-term plan. Good. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate all your insights and all you do for our clients. Thanks, Holly. A big thank you to Mike, Laura, and Catherine for joining us today and sharing their stories and sharing their experience of of what it means to really work with families over time and find that successful through line across generations. One of the things that really stands out to me is this idea of fulfillment and across generations, how do we pass along this idea of what it means to be a steward of wealth? And as I think about fulfillment, one of the things we often share is fulfillment is an equation. And to us, it's made up of the combination of finding your purpose 
and also enjoying your wealth. And having that advisor there and that team there that can help you remember that it's okay to enjoy your wealth. It's okay to treat yourself. It's okay to take the family on vacation. And not only is it okay, it's also encouraged. There's no point in stacking chips just to stack chips if you can't enjoy it with the people you love most in your life. And also finding what that purpose is for your wealth. Is it to serve charity? Is it to serve your family? Is it to invest in companies that are really in alignment with your values? And that's going to be different for everybody. It's never our job as advisors to direct what enjoyment or purpose means, but really just to be that guidepost along the way so that with the combination of building your purpose, enjoying your wealth along the way, you really find that fulfillment over the long term. And that guidepost, that equation is what guides us even in the most difficult periods like we're in today. And just as we take the succession planning for our clients very seriously, we do the same thing within our business and helping our employees find purpose and enjoyment in themselves, in their work, really leading to that fulfillment. I'm very proud and pleased to report that Bartlett was just listed as the top workplace by the Cincinnati Inquirer for 2022. It is such an incredible honor. Last year, we were number two, and to be number one this year is such a testament to the work that our team has put into building a very dynamic and successful workplace that works for our entire team. And it's my belief that happy employees make for very happy clients. So I hope that uh, my whole team knows just how much they are valued and appreciated. I look forward to joining you again for our next podcast. And in the meantime, we also have a wonderful webinar coming up that can be really helpful as we think about these conversations around generational wealth. And as Mike and Laura both pointed out, having that plan in place. Sometimes it's very operational. And one of those topics is around caring for aging loved ones. So please join us on June 29th at 11 a.m., for a webinar on holistic care for aging loved ones. We'll have a suite of professionals from different parts of this ecosystem, really helping you think about how you develop your plan for aging well. You can register today at Bartlett1898.com forward slash events. Joining us next time will be Stevie Carr, Stevie had an incredible webinar for us late last summer around finding your power as a female investor, and we can't wait for Stevie to join us again in August. information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.